Good evening, Church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we welcome you to the house of the Lord. As we quieten our hearts to prepare for the renewal service, let us take time to remember those who have walked before us and to thank God for His faithfulness and guidance. Let us rise to say the response of remembrance and thanksgiving. We enter God's presence with thanksgiving because we know that it belongs to our, our set shepherd and our king, bringer of dreams and fuller of Lord, renew our vision. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, for these past 65 years and evermore. Thanks to you that you are mindful of us and care for us. Lord, renew our joy. Renew us, Lord. Let's remain standing for the opening hymn. Great is thy faithfulness.
please be seated. The next hymn, the hymn of preparation, is Saviour, like a shepherd, lead us.
Come, friends, let's pray. Lord, we come before you this evening with a posture of humility. We confess our desperate need for you, for ourselves, for our families, for our nation and our church. We confess, Lord, that we have allowed ourselves to be distracted, disillusioned and discouraged by the failings of this world and our own sinful flesh. Yet you call us to put our hope in you and your word, which teaches us that our strength will be renewed when we do so. You call us to exchange our old selves, weighed down by all its burdens and bondages, with the new creation that your spirit has made possible for us to step into in true righteousness and holiness. You call us to renew our minds and to experience your transforming work to be a holy people, good and pleasing in your sight. You call us to be resilient and inwardly renewed by you day by day, fixing our eyes not on the temporal, but on the eternal. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to those things. Thank you that in a world that is perishing and prone to meaningless pursuit, you make it possible for us to experience renewal, not by our work or our will, but by yours. You are our loving shepherd who leads us and loves us, searching for us when we are lost, picking us up when we fall, and leading us towards greener pastures. And so renew our spirits, Lord, and help us to seek you and your spiritual blessings over the noise of this world and our own desires. Renew our outlook that we might lift up our heads and see what and look at what seems bleak from your perspective. And renew us as a body united in a common purpose to love you and to bring your love to one another and those around us. We ask and pray for renewal and all these other things in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. At this time, we are pleased to welcome our Reverend Abel Chia. He is not able to be here in person with us, but he has shared, uh, he's sharing a, a message with us nonetheless. And we pray that the Lord will challenge us through it. Reverend Abel Chia is from Holy Trinity, Bukit Bintang, and uh, we welcome him. Hi, TMC Penang. It is a joy to speak to you today at the time of your 65th anniversary. So what a milestone. Happy birthday. My name is Abel. I'm one of the pastors at Holy Trinity, Bukit Bintang Church in Kuala Lumpur. 
You know, birthdays are a good time to celebrate the present, remember the past, and dream for the future. But sometimes, it takes a bit of effort, right, as practical Malaysians. It's a discipline to celebrate well. For my wife's birthday this year, I thought to myself, you know, it's been eight years of being married with her, 15 years since we started dating, so what would show her how much I appreciate her? We've celebrated 15 of her birthdays so far, so I thought, maybe this time I can do something different. Maybe I'd do something practical this time. And I know how much she cleans the floor, she takes so much time cleaning the floor at the end of the day, and so I thought, maybe I'll get her a robo-vacuum cleaner. So I did, and the rest is history. <laughs> All I can say is, we're still married, she's very forgiving, and we have very clean floors. As you celebrate your 65th birthday, we want to encourage you to celebrate well, to remember the past with honour, and to dream ahead of the good and hopeful plans God has for you as a church. So today I'd like to speak to you about dreams and visions. And the title of my message is, God's dreams for us are different, bigger, and further. And I believe that God wants to awaken a new sense of hope within us, to stir fresh vision in us, and to inspire us to dream again. Now, did you know that our Bible is filled with godly dreams of the future? Entire books are written about dreams God gives His people. By one count, about 27% of the Bible is predictive. And this means one in four verses in the Bible is prophetic and visionary. And God has made us a people of dreams, a yearning people with a propensity to imagine what is not here yet and to move toward seeing that future realized. You know, one of the earliest stories in the Bible about a God-given dream is the story of Joseph, whose life was defined by dreams, but later on, whose dreams were refined by duty. Joseph's story spans 13 chapters across the book of Genesis, across five different locations and 110 years of a lifetime. And through the centuries, Joseph's story has so captured the imagination of artists, poets and painters. It's been made into works of art and literature, into songs, children's stories and even paintings. Even Gucci has made a clothing line inspired by Joseph's Technicolor coat. So today, I thought we'd do some Bible reading in a slightly different way. It won't be possible to read all the chapters of Joseph's story in the time that we have, but I'd like to invite you to join me in looking at a series of episodes, if you like, from Joseph's story before jumping into what we learn about Joseph's life. And as we do that, we're going to be looking at six episodes of his life. Along the way, we're going to learn three lessons about what God-given dreams are like, that they are different, bigger, and further. So are you ready? Here's episode one, the dream. We're first introduced to Joseph as a 17-year-old Hebrew boy when he, he receives two life-defining dreams in his life. And we read this in Genesis 37, verse 3. I'm going to read the words to you. Now Israel, who's Jacob, uh, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe. That's his fancy coat. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, if I'm honest, if I'm parading a coat while my brothers are hard at work, I might be mad as well. 
Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And this is the beginning of that dream motif in Joseph's story. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. In verse 6, he said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Verse 8, his brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then, verse 9, Joseph had another dream and he told it to his brothers saying, Listen, I had another dream. This guy clearly had a death wish. And this time, the sun and moon representing his parents and 11 stars representing his brothers were bowing down to me. This is episode one. Joseph, the teacher's pet, with a colourful coat and really poor EQ. Episode 2, The Pit. In episode 2, we see Joseph no longer with his colourful coat. The story goes on that Joseph, you know, is stripped and scared in a dark pit awaiting his fate. And we read this in Genesis 37, verse 23 and 24. There it says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The brothers at first plot to kill Joseph, and then they decide to sell him off for a profit to traders who would later take him to Egypt. And the tra traders would bring him to Egypt and sell him off to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Enter episode 3, Potiphar's house. Joseph is now in Egypt. And having been sold as a slave, Joseph becomes a faithful servant in Potiphar's house. Now things actually start to look up for him as he begins to find favour in his master's eyes until one day, trouble comes in the form of Potiphar's wife. And we don't know her name in the Bible, but we can call her Potiphar. It gets really bad. And in Genesis 39 verse 12, we read, Potiphar's wife caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. See, Joseph loses his coat for the second time. And it's a metaphor for the layers of pride, image building and self-regard being removed from his life as God does an inner work of building his character. And Joseph's left behind coat is used as a false evidence to frame him. So Joseph is sent to prison on a false accusation. Enter episode four, the prison. Now, in this scene, we follow Joseph into the Egyptian prison where once again, he's in captivity. And here, Joseph meets two other prisoners, uh, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker of the Pharaoh. And in Genesis 40, we're told that Joseph is assigned to look after them. And Genesis 40 tells us that they each have a dream. Joseph, the dreamer, becomes the dream interpreter. He interprets their dreams successfully, predicts that the cupbearer would be released and the baker hanged and the dreams come to pass. And then in verse 14, we read these words. Joseph says to the cupbearer, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison for I was forcibly kidnapped and carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in this dungeon. But sadly, Joseph is forgotten. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Joseph and how through it we see 
what your dreams are like. We ask you for God-sized dreams, for strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow because you are faithful between the dream given and the dream fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, today we know, we can know that God calls us to live a life of faith for the future and faithfulness for the present. When we talk about dreams, we usually refer to one of three things. What we're thinking about while we're asleep, what we're hoping about while we're awake, and what God is planning to do in our lives and in this world. But sometimes, however, these three are not immediately distinguishable. And we, we get mixed up with our own desires and ambitions. But there is a different kind of dream that God gives us that we just can't shake off, that is life-giving, purpose-setting, and character-refining. And I believe that God has a dream and purpose for you, TMCP9, for every one of you in this season. It is your reason for being, a deep yearning, a, a, a realization that God has put a plan for you in place. It could be a desire to see a family member come to faith, maybe one day to start a school for the underprivileged, to pursue a field of study God has placed a passion in you for, to raise a kind family, to see an injustice changed in society. Every wave of revival once began with the seed of a dream. Every transformation shift once began with the catalyst of a vision. And we are a people of dreams because we have an abundant life in Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, without vision, the people perish. We are a people of dreams because we have an exciting life in the Spirit. In Acts 2, we read these words, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. What's a sign of a Spirit-filled life? Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. But what does it mean to live a life of vision and dreams? While we are stuck in traffic jams, while we're trying to get our kids ready for school, while we're staying up working on that spreadsheet, how do we dream in a world that is real, where we have bills to pay, needs to meet, and people to take care of? As we walk through the story of Joseph, we see that God-given dreams for us are different, bigger, and further. Number one, they are different from what we expect. Firstly, God's dreams for us are often different from what we imagine. I wonder if you've ever expected something to be a certain way, only to realize it was not. Once I was driving in the car with Jacinta and Levi in the back, my son, and I heard Jacinta say these words, I'm so proud of you, my love. Even with terrible sleep last night, you've been in such a good mood. And I paused for a moment after I heard those words, almost slowed down the car, basking in this unexpected sweet encouragement that I already knew about myself. But Jacinta was so kind to say out loud because she couldn't contain her love for me. And so I said to her, oh, thank you, Jacinta. You don't have to say that. To which she said, I was talking to Levi. Like Joseph, God's dreams for us are a window into what He will eventually do, but they're also different from what we may initially expect. At 17, we're told that Joseph dreamt of the sun, moon, and stars bowing down before him, a future that he expected to be of status and upward mobility. But for the next 13 years, instead of elevation, Joseph's dreams would bring him to the depths of isolation and accusation. 
Joseph's story reminds us that our future is not in our control, that our dreams may not always turn out exactly as we want them to, because they are not even ours to begin with. You see, every location Joseph goes to is not even where he chooses, but where he's chosen for him. At every turn, Joseph is taken against his will and held captive against his wishes. Our dreams may turn out to be longer in timeline, different in outcome, harder in process, and costlier than imagined. They may look less like long-term desires and more like everyday duties. But I think that's because God matures us most, not by the outcome of fulfilled dreams, but by the journey that dreams take us on. In the Christian world, we don't get over our trials. We go through them. Transformation is in the process. And our God is a God who comes along with us through the trials, not over them. Look at Joseph's story. From his childhood home to the pit of slavery, to Potiphar's house and to the prison, God was with Joseph through his pain. At Potiphar's house in Genesis 39 verse 2, it says, God was with Joseph. In verse 3, it says, when his master saw him, he saw that the Lord was with him. In the prison, verse 20, it says, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. And again, in verse 23, it says, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the God who is with us, the God who promises his presence with his people through their trials when their dreams seem dead. And God promises his presence to us, not over our trials, but through them through the financial troubles, through the conflict and heartache, through the anxiety and disappointment, through even everyday, unspectacular, ordinary things. You may be grieving a dream that has died. Maybe you are afraid of a, a dream again because the reality is painful enough that you don't need any further disappointments. Or maybe you're living in a dream fulfilled, but it is not the happily ever after the world promised. Our dreams may turn out differently, but God's presence is always the same with us through the process. So God's dreams for us are different, but number two, God's dreams for us are bigger than we are. They're bigger than us. So we continue with Joseph's story and between episode four and episode five, Joseph's role begins to shift from someone who dreams about himself to someone who interprets the dreams of other people. There, at the depths of his despair and forgottenness, Joseph learns a lesson about God-given dreams, that they're given to us, but they're not only for us. So we come to episode five, the palace. In Genesis 41, verse one, it says this, when two full years had passed, while Joseph was in prison, Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh woke up, slept again, had a second dream, and none of his advisors were able to explain them to them. At this time, the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph, who by now is 30 years old. So again, Joseph interprets the dream for Pharaoh. He explains that what it means is there'll be seven years of plenty in Egypt, followed by seven years of famine. And he gives the Pharaoh policy recommendations to make the nation safe during the years of plenty to cater for the years of famine. Then Pharaoh appoints Joseph to be the governor to implement the policy. Years pass and we come to episode six, the reunion. Now seven years of plenty have finally passed 
and the years of famine now extend beyond Egypt into Canaan. These are hard years. And hearing that there was grain in Egypt, Joseph's brothers begin to make their way to buy food from the governor, who is now Joseph, but they don't know. And four times between chapters 42 to 44, the brothers of Joseph bow down before him, not realizing that he is their brother, fulfilling the dream of young Joseph. Then Joseph reveals himself and the brothers have this reconciliation moment. And in Genesis 50 verse 19, as the brothers realize their wrongs, as they realize what a grave mistake they've made, they say these amazing, uh, well, Joseph says these amazing words to them. And he says this in verse 19 of chapter 50. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now, at first glance, it's easy to see Joseph's story as one of upward mobility from pit to palace. A man sustained by a dream that kept him alive. And then he got promoted. But if you look carefully, nothing about Joseph's promotion was self-made, only God appointed. God's dream for Joseph was bigger than even Joseph's desires for himself because there was a bigger picture to his dream than even his own life. And perhaps today you are carrying a dream that almost feels too big. Maybe you're worried about whether it's even possible. God does not expect us to control our future but He only expects us to be faithful in our present. God calls us to live a life of faith for the future and faithfulness for the present. And He wants to enlarge our hearts, but not our heads. And so in Genesis 50, verse 19, as the brothers realize their wrongs and they are bowing down before Joseph, fulfilling his old dream, Joseph says, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Here at the fulfillment of the very dream God gave him, so transformed was Joseph's heart by the process that he would finally realize the dream was never about the position of status, but the posture of service. It was never about the glory of one man, but about the saving of many lives. And by the end of his life, Joseph had learned that the dream God gives to you is rarely for you, but for the people around you. Why? Because God-given dreams are more often outward in mobility than upward. More for the blessing of others than for my self-interest. In our church, there is a lady uh, by the name of Rachel, who is a friend of mine. Uh, Rachel takes care of the family life courses. She serves on the HDBB staff team. But Rachel wasn't always a Christian. And in fact, the first time she encountered God, she encountered God in a dreamlike state. It was years ago. uh, Rachel was going through a difficult and traumatic season of her life. And Rachel would often have these panic attacks at night during her sleep. But one night... In one of those bouts of anxiety, Rachel heard a soothing melody that sounded like harps playing in her ears. Uh, It was the Hungry Ghost Festival, actually, so she was quite freaked out by this sound. So the next day, Rachel told her Christian colleague in her office about this music playing at night. And her colleague said to Rachel, I think, Rachel, it could be Jesus giving you comfort at this time. So night came and Rachel prayed a simple prayer before she slept. She said, Jesus, if it's you, 
play that same melody again. And the music played. I almost imagine Jesus, uh, Jesus taking out that, that harp, going, here's Heaven FM. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> then Rachel said, okay, thank you, Jesus. But just so I know it's not the hungry ghost outside, if it's you, Jesus, please stop the music right now. And the music stopped. Now, not too long later on, Rachel went on to Alpha and she decided to follow Jesus. And this would be a cool enough story on its own if it were just about Rachel coming to know Jesus and having her life transformed. But all God-given dreams are never just for us. They go bigger and further than us. And so in the months to come, Rachel would invite her friends, her family to Alpha. She would see her father and mother come to faith in Jesus. Then her cousin, uncle, brother, sister-in-law, niece, nephew became followers of Jesus as well. All because... Rachel didn't stop at enjoying the blessing herself. You see, God wants to give you a dream that transcends your self-interest, that goes beyond your fears and limitations. His plans for you are good, but they're not just for you. They are part of a chain of grace. So God's dream for Joseph was less about mobility and it was more about maturity. But sometimes this process of maturation can come at the cost of our convenience, image, and self-ambition. And we read earlier in Genesis 37, when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, that ornate robe he was wearing. It was a picture of his outer image, of his pride and ego. And as we lay down our ambitions and surrender our desires, as we remove that outer garment of pride, God's Spirit can shape our dreams. He can so inspire us with His purpose, to dream a new dream, to go towards a new purpose. Number three, God's plans are different than imagined, bigger than we are, and finally, they go further than we'll ever go. You are not meant to coast along this life. You're not meant to drift aimlessly on a sea of accidental events. You're meant for something larger than life. You're part of a bigger picture. And God wants us to live for something bigger than ourselves, to dream bigger than what we can control, to put our hopes beyond what is humanly possible. Because we're not the only ones here. When we understand that we're part of a body, no one more superior than others, our God-given dreams stop becoming desires that compete with one another, and they start becoming duties that serve one another. We need each other to fulfill His dream for His people. And in Joseph, we learn that great feats of faith are often accomplished through small acts of faithfulness with others joining in the story, one step at a time, because the story goes further than us. In fact, it's so interesting, if you look at Hebrews 11, that hall of faith uh, passage where we remember the fathers of faith, Joseph is remembered for two unexpected things, the dream of his people and his final resting place. Have a look at Hebrews 11 verse 22. It says, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israel from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. None of these stories, none of these words were about his dream fulfilled or any form of control he exerted on his journey. Joseph's dreams were part of a bigger picture, the picture of exodus of Israel. And even in death, he relied on others about where he would be buried, a sign of the Christ to come. You see, Joseph was a type of Christ, his life foreshadowing the future Messiah who would one day come to save his people 
to deliver the world from slavery and to bring freedom to the captives. Another one like him would come. One who was highly favoured, whose robe would be stripped away from him on false accusation, who would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, who would be held captive, brought across stations of judgment, even while setting the prisoners free. But unlike Joseph, his wasn't a story of pit to palace, but of majesty to Calvary. Jesus made us his dream. He came to save us, to free us. He came to give us hope to step forward with into the future that he has for us. And today, as you celebrate your 65th anniversary, you can receive again this new hope for the future that God has for him. Because in Christ, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that your dreams for us are different from what we imagine. They're bigger than us and they go further than even our own story. We're part of a chain of grace. And today, as we remember your goodness for 65 years for this church, we thank you that the best is yet to come, that your future is even bigger and better than what has already been seen. So we say, come Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus, do what only you can do today. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. See you around TMC Penang. And again, congratulations for 65 years. Bye for now. We thank Reverend Abel for his message. At this time, we want to take a moment where we are to respond to the Lord. And so may I invite you wherever you are, whether you're at the sanctuary or you're at home, alone or with family, would you just take a moment to pause and be still before the Lord? Would you just push aside all distractions? Focus your mind, your thoughts on the Lord who is present with you at this very moment. I invite you to search your heart for where you stand before the Lord. If you see the Lord with you, are you standing there facing Him? Or are you turned away from Him? Would you search your heart for the dreams that drive you each day? the things that take up so much of your mental real estate, your attention, your time, your energy. Are these dreams from the Lord? Or are they of our own making? And would you take this time to ask the Lord, what dream has He laid upon your heart? What dream has He laid upon your heart for the present, 
What dream has He laid upon your heart for the bigger picture? How is that dream not just blessing you, but overflowing to bless others? And holding all these things together, how is the Lord calling you to respond? Are there any adjustments you need to make tonight? And if you sense the Lord calling you to a response, whether to put your hope in Him, whether to prune away things that are tugging you away from Him, whether to take a step towards something He might be calling you to obey, whether to make a commitment to living life His way. Would you take this moment to respond to Him now? In a simple prayer, would you respond to the Lord? as we have responded to the Lord, let us join together in affirming the faith that we are responding to by declaring the affirmation of faith found in the Apostles' Creed. Let's do this reflectively and with conviction. Together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried the third day he rose from the dead he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We want to sing glory to the Father.
stand with me. Let's sing this closing song as a declaration of our commitment to the Lord in the renewing work that He is doing in our lives, in the posture of our hearts this evening. I'm thine, O Lord. Blessed 
Lord, will you draw us to your side in everything that we are in, wherever we are, wherever we might be in our walk with you. Lord, will you draw us nearer? We confess, Lord, we cannot do this on our own. And so often we fail when we try. And so, Lord, we ask you draw us. Break down all barriers. Break down all things that get in the way. Draw us nearer to you, O Lord. Renew our spirits. Renew our lives. Renew our hope in you. Not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, but in you alone. And align our lives, Lord, with your purposes, your dreams for us. Now we receive your blessing. May the grace of Jesus that brings us to his feet, the love of the Father who waits with outstretched arms and the tender fellowship of the Holy Spirit that renews us afresh. Be with us tonight and always. Go now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Lord's dreams for you. Amen. our renewal service for this evening has concluded if you have prayer needs or if you'd like to pray a prayer commitment to the Lord and you, you would like me to pray with you uh, please do let me know uh, tomorrow we will have another service here at 8.30pm and Reverend Aaron from Holy Trinity Bintang will also be sharing with us before our service anniversary service on Sunday morning at 10am Please note, there's no 5 p.m. service, okay? So just 10 a.m. All right, the Lord bless you. Have a good night. God bless.